We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike, and we're here. We made it to the end of the All-Star break. Lakers are back, had their first practice yesterday, Mike, and uh, we got a few interesting notes from that, including a goal in terms of where we want to end up in the standing. So curious, Mike, what you heard on the ground yesterday about where the team's head is at. I mean, I think it was a a positive vibe for sure. Uh, I think they're excited to get after it. And yet there's also, it's this mix of understanding the kind of pressure of the moment and what they need to do in terms of wins. And also recognizing that with this many games left that you can't do the actual must win. And, and that's like, the, so even Anthony Davis said, well, yeah, these are must win games. But then what, what happens when you lose a must win game? You know, you have to play the next one and then try to win that one. So it's a, it's a bit of a, like I think what they're what teams usually serve themselves best, and I think this is LeBron's thing amongst many others, is to handle the game directly in front of you. But it's very difficult to do that in this kind of a setting when you know that you have to get to a certain mark um, by the end of a certain number of games. So to me, those things compete some, but the ideal is that they the collective energy that you get out of that and that sense of urgency happens right away. And, you know, it was Russell uh, and D'Angelo Russell and A.D. and Darvin were the ones that spoke. Um, LeBron, Darvin actually gave an extra day to um, just to kind of recover from all of the all-star stuff. And so, you know, LeBron arriving to shoot around today um, will will be, um, you know, his chance to kind of catch up on that. And I just think that it's the they have to focus Darius on the Warriors uh, today and pay lip service to the rest of it and to the big picture and to making sure they get to a certain, uh, a certain amount of whatever their overall ambition is, but try to just take it day by day if they can. Yeah. I, I said this the other day, but it's good to set goals. And, and so I'm appreciative of the idea that they are looking to climb in the standings. They're not, they're, they're not keeping that a secret. There is no secret. They don't want to be in the plane and it, they see a reasonable path to get there. And Darwin said it when he said, you know, can't worry about 
the other teams losing to help us. And it's like, oh, well, they lost so we can lose. Like, no, like we got to go out and play the games in front of us and we got to win. We got to control the things that we can control. And that's what's going to help us most. We're the only team that can help us. And I think that's the right approach. I think it's the right mentality regarding the AD, like treat every game like a game seven. Like I like I get it. Whatever you got to do to like convince yourself to go out there and give that next level of effort that we know that a lot of NBA players, especially ones who have reached the mountaintop, don't often give during the regular season because it's not required of them. I thought while I praised LeBron's comment the other day about 23 most important games and but he also issued the caveat that for the regular season, right? Like he understands that there's a different type of importance when it's like 2020 Pete gave six NBA finals, Miami heat. Like you win this game and win the championship or you lose and you go to a game seven. Guess what? That's different than tonight's game against the warriors. It just is. And there's no amount of psychological warfare you can play on yourself in order to get yourself in as much of a fervor as you would need to treat that game the way that you treat this game. That said, the level of focus and game plan intent and we're out here to win this specific game, I think based off of all the quotes that I heard, I think the team has the right mentality. I think they have the right approach. And again, I praise LeBron's leadership because he put it out there. Like I want the team, when I come back, I'm going to have this level of focus and I want the team to have that focus too. And right there, your your leader says that to everyone in the world. He didn't say that in the locker room, Pete. He said that at all at All-Star Game media availability to everyone. That's not even like at Lakers practice. That's to everyone. And so he's he's laying down the gauntlet to his own team a little bit there and and I'm appreciative of that. And I'm appreciative of LeBron because I think that he's going to have to carry the weight here. I'm very appreciative of that as well. And I think that he's shown a degree of leadership throughout the season. We touched on this a couple pods ago that has been really helped us keep afloat and gotten us to this point where we have way more in our control than any 13th seed has ever had at this point of a season in terms of we're playing a lot of the teams in front of us, the Golden State Warriors tonight being one of them. But if you look at the several games coming up and much of the rest of the season, most of them are against teams that are ahead of us or in the mix of the Western Conference playoff race. And so it's in our hands and what we do with that opportunity remains to be seen. But Mike, I would argue that actually this short-term versus long-term goal can work in harmony because the way we do get to that sixth seed is by taking every game as seriously as we can and putting as much focus and effort in on winning that game because we can beat the Golden State Warriors tonight. We cannot beat the Dallas Mavericks tonight, who are our our next opponent. And so that day-to-day type of focus and that I think LeBron put the gauntlet out there for the rest of his teammates as well on this front, I think can serve that bigger picture against a lot of teams that are exactly the teams that we need to be climbing to get to where we want to go. Standings watch. Now you're talking my language, Pete. Well, the other thing about even just tonight's game. Okay. So the Blazers play the Kings tonight. Blazers 28 and 30, Kings 32 and 25. The Thunder play the Jazz. So the Thunder 28 and 29, Jazz 29 and 31. And then the Mavs play the Spurs. So the Spurs are a little bit out of this. Uh, the Pelicans have a tough game at uh, Toronto. The Grizzlies have it. Nah, they're, they're out of the mix, really, in terms of where the Lakers could be at. But so, uh-huh. so the, even that that's four teams directly above the Lakers. 
um, that other than like one of them will win between the Thunder and the Jazz. And there's a possibility that like the other three could lose. The Lakers can, tr- can control their own uh, destiny in that one. And that's that's how the West is going to be for the rest of the time here. There are a couple of teams that have some more Eastern Conference games left than others. Um, the Clippers are in that mix. Like they've got a really difficult schedule. Um, and the let's see, who else was I looking? I think the Pelicans have a pretty difficult run um, that they have to get to. So it's it's like it's taking care of your own business and then scoreboard watching to an extent that we're going to be doing. The team, I think, should would be well served not to do as much of that. But I also don't want them to be in the cocoon, you know, away from it. And if they I guess the the idea, the ideal thing that they could do would be to rip off a run here. Um, It's this part of the schedule, though. I would separate Golden State from that without Steph and without Wiggins potentially tonight. But then the it's three, you know, pretty tricky road games. Um, even and I'm including OKC in that uh, based on how they oh, are yeah. athletically. Although this version of the Lakers, they I think, is much us. better. Yeah. Yes, they but did. they just beat us. If we don't take them seriously, like shame on us. Oh, of course, of course, of course. I'm just saying, basketball-wise, the matchup is a, is a little better um, with this group of Lakers versus the Agreed. versus before they made the trade um, in that in that game just before when LeBron broke the record, of course, and that was a weird game for many reasons. So, but they, <laughs> like, if they can, you know, I don't want to necessarily give a a number, but okay, I will. Like, if they they got to win three or four uh, out of this stretch, and that's asking yep. a lot when you're going to Dallas and going to Memphis. So, could they go two and two? Uh, and then hit the the slightly softer part of the schedule as you as you hit into March with all of the home games and some of the weaker opponents. Sure, but like if they do go three and four out of this stretch, then uh, they're going to be in better shape sooner um, than you might have thought. Especially because it means that some of those teams directly ahead of them are going to have some L's next to their name. So I want them to go four and over this stretch. I don't care. Fuck it. Like this team needs to go out there and act like they're the better team every single night. They should feel that way, too. Yep. I don't care if you're Memphis. They just beat Memphis. They started the Memphis like slide for them where they're just like, oh, what happened to Memphis? Well, you know what happened? They started barking too much at LeBron James and all these dudes. And then suddenly, like, oh, we're not scared of anyone. We're only scared of the Celtics. Well, guess what? All these West teams came and got you. Yep. Be quiet now. And they were on like an 11 game winning streak or something like that. Yes. And then they lost and then and that they lost in a dumb way to the Lakers, too. And then they just kept losing dumb games. You play (laughs) dumb ways. Yes. Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Right. And so that was Memphis for a while. And we'll see if they refresh now that if when Steven Adams gets back, because he's so critical to their success, apparently. (laughs) By the way, Mike was talking about uh, who was playing the Spurs, Mike. Dallas. Yeah, Dallas. Yeah, Dallas. So yeah. I was just laughing because when you said the Spurs, I thought to myself, I wonder when the last time the Spurs won a basketball game. And I just went and looked. It was Wait January 17th. Yeah. It was January 17th, losses. the last time they won a basketball game. They beat yeah, the it's Brooklyn February Nets. 23rd right now. It's been a yes. month. It's been five <laughs> weeks. Yeah. Pop out here just drinking wine, man. He he's living like, his best life. Good for Pop. <laughs> hey, I mean, hey, the Rock. roster is, so, is just a, yeah. Yeah. Yeah disaster we'd be drinking one too yeah yeah i can't remember when this was and i I can't remember which laker player said it but it actually might have been believed easily but something along the lines of like oh well you know the west is so tight a five-game winning streak gets you right back in it right like you you Mm -hmm. get to right where you want to go and so the lakers won a game right before the all-star break they win four more there's your five-game winning streak and you're right back in it 
right? And so like my mindset is, and I hope the players adopt this just because I think it, it serves their interests that they've got however many games left, 23 games left. They should be like, we about to go on a 23 game winning streak. I don't care where like, like you feel me, Pete. It's, it's not about like, okay, oh, well, cause Dennis was saying this like, okay, we want to get to 14 and nine. Like, I think if they can finish the season at 500, like they're probably right there in the mix for that six seed. Like, like it's probably going to be right around there. 43, 44. I think we'd be in the play in, if we're at 500. I actually think we need to go like 16 and seven or 17 and, and six type area to get into the six conversation. But my point is, and that's probably a more accurate number, right? But my point is, is like go win these other four, like like four games on any given night. For sure. On any given night, the Lakers can beat any team. And that's true of any team in the league this season. And, and so, like, the point that you made, Pete, about like, oh, this team just beat us. Well, the Lakers should have that mentality because they've lost to damn near every team. Right? And and so, and if they want to go get Memphis, then go get Memphis. They want to go get Dallas. Da- Dallas been kicking their tail this year. There should be no greater mo- motivation than the opponent that's in front of them. As, and when you combine that, just like you said, Pete, with the short-term and then the long-term goals, I think those things marry beautifully for this team to, to put the run together that they've been talking about all season that they want to make. And the biggest part of that, like we've talked so much about the new guys and then about the mentality of the team and how they really have to have, you know, go on a run right now. The biggest factor that's part of that is we haven't had LeBron and AD kicking ass at the same time really since the 2021 uh, or really since the 2020 season. Right. Because even as at the beginning of the 21 season, we were uh, we were coasting. And so that. Like it's been a minute, Mike, since we've seen both of those guys be great at the same time, and I think they're poised to be. I think they're and and so a lot of things fall into place if we start seeing LeBron and AD really hit the ground running. And so, do you see that too, Mike? This has been something we've been on tenuous ground and continue to be in terms of. There's nothing that guarantees that we're going to get 23 games of them going up, but we've really only had three consecutive games from them a couple of times in the last three seasons. And so that is remarkable and something that if we get that, it's just a game changer for what we've been, even more so than the new guys and all of the stuff we've been talking about on that front. Yeah. All right. Well, there's the LeBron AD part and then also kind of what Darius was saying and starting with the LeBron AD part. I think that AD is not quite at his peak offensive rhythm like he was earlier in this season, but he doesn't have to be with this current makeup if he's in his peak mm-hmm. defensive mode and he he is in good shape. Uh, he just had the all-star game. I think he's refreshed mentally. Uh, I, his foot has been good, like all of that stuff. So he, I, I do think that he hits this stretch and can start out focused mostly on the defense and then of course still have a a high usage on offense but I think that he could hit a stretch on offense right when like once he does really find that rhythm but in the meantime as long as he's just bouncy which is what he's been uh, which is certainly what he was in the New Orleans game that's great that's uh, that right there perfect LeBron has had these last couple of weeks, he's only played a couple of games now, right? And so his foot, I think in his ankle, the foot ankle combo, it's, it's listed as ankle. He says foot sometimes, you know, like it, it's whatever it is, but mm-hmm. it's, I think it's probably a little bit more foot than ankle, but it's in that area. And that to me is not something that just goes away 
and it's going to be sore at different times, but I think that he's going to be able to manage it. It was good to hear again from Darvin that the finger is a non-issue that he got caught in the rim in all-star. So mm-hmm. I, you, you notice that I started with health there. It's because we don't typically, we don't typically need to condemn or judge like LeBron and Navy's basketball acumen, which has kind of been D'Angelo Russell's point the last time, a couple times he's been injured or inter- injured. He's been interviewed, including at yesterday's practice mm-hmm. where somebody asked him what went well in the Orleans game. And he's like, well, I mean, look, like, like pretty easy when LeBron and AD are out there um, sort of playing like that. And, and he said he likes to be kind of like the guy in the shadows, um, figuring things out and seeing what he mm-hmm. can add. And it's perfect. And so, so all that. So that that's the stuff I think that works, uh, that works fine. And the rhythm that they're, that they should be able to hit is aided by what we talked about in the previous pod, which is this kind of this belief in what the unit is going forward for the rest of the year and the belief in the way that it fits and I do think that that's important uh, to have if you're asking your your main guys uh, to to carry you to the degree that LeBron and AD do, then, you know, they have to feel comfortable with the infantry um, that they have rolling up next to them. And so that that part is key. And then just to kind of go back w- with Darius, it's like I my personal mentality is just like yours, like just like that kind of like every game, go, go win them all. I like I think that. It's difficult to do that NBA wise, except the, the, the biggest reason that I'm with you is LeBron and like what he said now. And as, as we said, him mm-hmm. putting it on wax that it's time for yep. all of us to focus, then there goes the, like, if it's not there on a given night, here come all of the questions. Then hold on. You guys said that all these games were going to be important. And so, oh, yeah, I'm, and maybe that's part of where you're coming from, Darius, because because typically I'm hesitant to kind of like, well, that's not really how the NBA works. But like, OK, here here it comes. And then I'm going to do the worrying about how you sustain that through potential playoffs thing later. Like they don't have that luxury now of being able to turn it off for a little bit so that they can peak going into the postseason, which is how many LeBron James seasons went. And by the way, that was very smart for them to go like that. And that's also why LeBron, I think, has said this isn't this is one of the first times that he said something like this. Well, because his team hasn't really been in this position very often where they've still had a chance to get back there. So, yeah, that that's the I ultimately I'm coming around to to that, Darius. But I had to pause for a second and think like, yeah, well, OK. All right. Yeah, I, I got you. I got you. I'm with you. Well, th- there's a time and place for for all of that and that mentality and the mentality of we're going to go on a 24 game winning streak does not mean you're going to win 24 games in a row. But the more nights that you can have that in those 20, 23, 24 games, the more nights you can have that in that stretch, the more games you will actually win, D, right? The more times you go out there with that attitude. To me, Dennis Schroeder is kind of the embodiment of this attitude. Like Dennis Schroeder might not kick your ass in a game, but Dennis Schroeder is 100% going to try to do that. And so the more we can have that going into the game, not get off to those slow starts, have this real assertiveness, the better place we'll be. So let's take a quick break, come back, talk more about that, and then zoom in on the Golden State game. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The thing about the point that you're making, Mike, about like that's not how the NBA works, and 100%. And the but the point about LeBron James teams peaking as they go into the playoffs to me, a run right now is what peaking looks like for this team. This is like I've never been on one of those long road trips, so. Like where you like, oh, well, we're going to drive from California to wherever that's near the Mississippi River that these families do during the summer because that was I feel like that's actually like Chicago. Let's go to Chicago. Sure. Chicago's great. I went to Chicago once for a previous job and I went in like October and I was just like, what should I pack? And when I went, it was like 70 degrees. And I was just like, what is this? I thought Chicago was going to be all like cold and dark and damp during this time of the year. But it was great. Pat Bev is going to love it. I'm not one of those guys who has like been on these long road trips or whatever. But the Lakers are about to be like traveling on this flat road. And then suddenly here comes the mountain range. And so they better they better drop drop the gear down to second and head up this mountain quickly Pete and so this last 23 game stretch is like they, they're gonna need to to really get up this hill in order to get to the level where they want to be as a playoff team as well right and this again is the mix of short-term and long and and long-term goals to me they are not going to do anything in the playoffs if they slip into the seventh or eighth seed with like a 
14 and nine records. It's like, okay, like, like we, we were one game over 500 for the last stretch mm-hmm. of the season. We got to one game over 500 for the year. And like, that was a good push for us. We played way better than what we were supposed to. And now we've got to win three games. Just to, right. Like that's just not the vibe. Well, no, I, I don't know. This just occurred to me. Because I haven't, I haven't even been thinking outside of the plan. Because I've, I guess I've, I don't know if I've been thinking about this season like I'm an actual player uh, in a sense of just control, or I've just listened to LeBron and Kobe talk so much that I'm just thinking about the next game, uh, and then zooming out in my media lens. But the three seed right now is Sacramento. They've got a, they've got, they're one of the teams that has a brutal schedule, and I think that they're going to drop off some. And I think that probably, especially if KD comes back soon, I think that probably ends up being Phoenix. Um, or we'll see about the Clippers. That's a whole situation that's interesting. Like, are they actually going to start Russ? Uh, I, uh, anyway, shelve that for a second. But but just thinking like the – how about – what's the, the difference between, like you just mentioned, the play-in and getting to the sixth seed and potentially playing Sacramento in round one? It, it would The Lakers would feel, especially if they were in the – like if they're winning games like that, like the heavy favorite – um, to me, and I'm, I'm sure Kings fans are like, oh, great. Lakers think, think, thinks that they're better. Look at the te- look at the Sacramento team, 32 and 25. But I don't know, Pete, that just occurred to me. That is pretty tasty, <laughs> you know, and then you come out of that. So, all right. That, now I got it. Now I got to You guys have had gotten me how hyped up now. Now I got to calm down. This is tremendous. So, first of all, I thought you were talking about us getting to the three seed, and I'm not, now I'm like, there we go. I, that's the that's the mentality we need. Secondly, I really enjoyed the the trip We're down the lane of Mike Trudell of things. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, I, I loved the the only thing that was missing down the path of like things that irritate that basketball irritate Mike Trudell was like. Lou Williams, maybe somewhere in there or grifting, you know, like he, he checked a lot of boxes down that road. So I had someone text me yesterday saying that they would pay for a bonus episode of purely your thoughts on Russ to the Clippers and what that mix would would look like. Um, per, perhaps uh, perhaps that is down the line. However, uh, D, that let's zoom in on this game tonight. Yeah. Right. The way that we get to these grand goals and that we, you know, smirk and say oh, three seeds, only six games out, kind of laughing is by is by winning today and winning today a multitude of times. We've got the Golden State Warriors today. Now, they're certainly nowhere close to full strength. Steph is out. Andrew Wiggins is going to be out. But they also represent a team, oddly enough, with this brand new team. First team we've played the second time with this new group. And it was the first game that they played. It was a national TV game. Got a good win in Golden State without LeBron. Mobamba had not made his debut yet. We defended really well. So I, that's an area of focus I'd like to start on, D, is defending the Warriors with Steph out, with Wiggins out. I actually think we're pretty well equipped to do this, starting with the defense of our guards, of D'Lo and Austin. Happy birthday, 27 years old, to D'Angelo Russell today. Uh, a lot of guarding Golden State is fighting over the top of screens and off-ball action and things like that. So talk to me about your thoughts on that. How, how do we defend Golden State? Well, I'm going to be interested just because the lineup that the Lakers are going to deploy tonight is actually going to be different than the lineup that they deployed against Golden State the first time, mm-hmm. right? And so that first time against the Warriors, only D'Lo started and Dennis started next to him. And that was a smaller group. And Dennis's sort of more defensive mobility and mindset and ability to fight over screens, like I thought that that was super helpful early on in the game against Jordan Poole and 
And now this group is going to be a much bigger guard group defensively when you add Beasley next to Russell, rather it being Dennis. Um, and then Vanderbilt in the lineup as well. So the Warriors are that classic Warriors machine. I, I'm interested to see who defends Clay. And if Wiggins... It was D'Lo last time. It'll likely be D'Lo again, I think. Yeah, yes. That's what I would imagine as well. But things get trickier. Or So if Wiggins does not play, then I, I'm just interested to see how Darwin deploys Vanderbilt. Right? Because... Is Vanderbilt the best option on clay? He's probably not. But D'Lo, as locked in as he can be defensively, he's still going to have difficulties, I think, defending against clay if clay's usage goes up because Wiggins is maybe questionable or out, right? And so clay is always happy to absorb a few more jumpers in his direction, a few more double pin downs, a few more split screen actions, a few more, a few more, a few more. And if like there is offensive usage and then there's defensive usage, I think the Lakers prefer to have D'Angelo Russell and to a certain extent, LeBron James on as low defensive usage players. And I think that they would like to turn up the usage defensively on guys like Vanderbilt and Anthony Davis. And, and when Dennis is in the game, Austin, I think they're to- Troy Brown. I think they're totally fine saying, hey, you guys go out there and work your tails off defensively because that's sort of the value add within this whole puzzle. And, and so. I know I didn't answer your question from a schematic standpoint about like X's and O's and top locking and getting over the top of screens and making sure that you're communicating back line, um, how AD was sagging off Draymond and even Looney in, in order to, to promote help situations from the big man position. There's so many tactical things that the Lakers did the last game that worked, but the shape of the Warriors defense can start to look different if clay becomes a much more higher usage player because they are they will run more actions towards him even if they're not a scripted play group if that makes sense draymond is the orchestrator of all of that and he'll be like no 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 we're gonna get into this specific turn of the blender in order to optimize clay and i wonder mike if if darvin is gonna expose d'lo to that but maybe he will like because that's really the only option for him defensively I think the Warriors are the trickiest defensive matchup for the Lakers guards because there's no place to hide any of these dudes one through three it's just like okay well you either got Poole or Clay or on a healthy night Wiggins and Steph and it's just like uh who you gonna guard right you gotta guard one of these dudes the first thing I I just do want to say for the record that I was targeting specifically the six and not looking more at the three uh, in terms of conference placement. But uh, anyway, we'll see. Uh, I, In terms of the Warriors, first of all, that last matchup, Schroeder was fantastic. Uh, he, he had 26 points. Yep. He got to the free throw line 11 times. Uh, he made three of his four threes. He was uh, all over the place defensively. And so, yeah, so now he moves to the bench. And Darius, you mentioned the term, the top locking. Like that, 
I remember asking. So after that game, the Lakers went to Portland and there was a Super Bowl party, which I think I referenced. And so some of the assistant coaches and stuff were in there. And I was, I was talking to a couple of them and just about that specific strategy. And one of the comments made back was that, well, you can you can do that. You can employ that against Golden State. Uh, to a certain degree in a way that you can't do it against other teams that are more screen roll heavy. Uh, and so I wonder, and even without Steph in this game, I, like clearly Steve Kerr watched that film. You know, my guess is that they're going to find ways to not just get into that situation where the Lakers can just play way over the top and force everything into AD. And so Pete, that was one of the things I was going to ask you about. Like, what is the adjustment there? Is it just, is it having Jordan Poole run more screen roll? But this to me is also where it really hurts them not to have Wiggins, like another kind of ball handler kind of creator or the, or just a guy that can get his own shot and shoot over the top. And he didn't play well in that game. And then, you know, Clay and Poole shooting a collective six for 26 from three. Part of that was because of how closely contested they were. They also just missed some open shots. But I, I guess my, my point being, take out Wiggins and Steph. They're already missing a little bit in terms of what they had last year with the bench rotation, though. I, I do like DiVincenzo to an extent. And Kaminga can play well in spots. But, like, this is a game that the Lakers should feel confident about based on the, the personnel that are out. Uh, but Pete, if you can hit some of that X's and O stuff, uh, I'm I'm curious there because I it can't be as simple as they just hey Pool and, and Clay, you guys can't shoot threes today. Uh, everything going to AD and then like the Lakers just win by forty. I mean, I, I can't say the win by forty part, but the funneling everything into AD and getting over screens and blowing up the action that the other team wants to run, and again just funneling into one of the very best defensive players in the world. Yeah, that is, I think, going to be our overall strategy. And one of the things I loved about the last time we played them, um, I, I really liked Delo's defense on Clay in the last game. It was basically him and Austin tag teamed. And Austin drew a ton of uh defensive fouls or do a ton of offensive fouls on illegal screens by legit fighting over the top of them. But Dilo drew one. He got another where he got a strip on an attempted hand handoff to knock the ball off of his knee. And the comment you made earlier, Mike, about how Dilo said, I like to be in the shadows figuring things out, I think speaks to a degree of contribution that he has not only on offense, but also on defense. All of the turns of the blender that Draymond likes to get the team into D. D'Angelo Russell knows them. He was on the team. And he's somebody that the more I watch him and the more and Anthony, who I brought up a couple pods ago, he's got a great YouTube channel who and he really knows his his hoops. He just did a video on D'Lo and what he kind of brings to the team. And one of the points that he was making is that D'Lo has become one of those guys that really knows the other team's playbook and the actions that they like to run. And he's become just very engaged in terms of like, I know what you're doing. It's sort of this Rondo-ish sort of understanding of the game. And it makes sense that 27-year-old D'Lo is more equipped to do that than 19 and 20-year-old. But he certainly showed the ability to do that, D. And so... I don't know, like, he's a curious defensive player for us on this team because I'm I'm curious about certain levels of his, or certain, certain weaknesses that he has, right? But that ability to be mentally locked in and know what the other team is going to do, I think we've talked about how that has an effect on offense. But I think on defense, particularly on the perimeter too, if you can get everybody just executing the scheme correctly, especially when you have a cheat code in Anthony Davis where it's like, oh, we can we can cheat in this direction because what we're giving up is a drive into the paint where AD is going to be waiting for them. Like, I think that's doable. And so just like a certain amount of do your job professionally 
professionalism and and know what the other team is doing and be engaged in the moment. I think D'Lo has some of that in ways that guarding a Clay, Clay's not going to go through D'Lo. You know what I mean? He's not going to use his athleticism to to really beat D'Lo. And so I don't know. I'm just curious to see that from him going forward. I think those are areas he can contribute. Yeah, Rondo's an interesting name. I want to say, Mike, and you can confirm this or not, but I want to say D'Lo probably grew up watching Rondo. D'Lo's from that area, like the Kentucky area, right? Like Louisville. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Rondo, of course, played in in Louisville, And Rondo was playing at Kentucky at the time. I, that I would imagine that, that D'Lo was like younger. Anyways, so random point with that. I would make the argument KYP, right? Like know your personnel, like like all the all the game plan stuff. I would say that's actually the most important part of defense. So you can have all the skill yeah. in the world defensively. If you don't have a sense of what the other team is doing or trying to do to you and how to like, you're not going to be as good as you could be, regardless of how high level of a defender you actually are. And if you're not within the scheme, then you're wrong. We had the the great P.D. Webb on the pod uh, a year plus ago, and one of the great terms that he used was defensive architecture, meaning that the like shape of your overall defense, we've all run the shell drills and things like that. Guys who know how to maintain and then get back into that in a team five-on-five sense are super valuable, even if they're not elite one-on-one guys. It's so important to just know what you're trying to execute defensively and skewing towards that. Like we often, it's funny because I lament the fact that our national NBA coverage is not as as technical and tactically savvy as you might see from the NFL, right? Like you watch NFL pregame shows or just NFL analyst shows and they're breaking down all of the schemes. They're talking about like inside leverage and they're talking about getting over the top and they're talking about all all of these schematic things. Like look at the way the safety's doing this and the read and the drop downs and all the stuff. The individual technique. Yeah. Beyond just the five on five X's and O's, how the player, what he does to to make it happen. But even like the schematic stuff, Pete, about like how how like an offense is trying to attack a defense specifically geared to stop the things that they know that the offense wants to do. And so the cat and mouse chess game, right, about like, okay, well, we know their linebackers like to do this and so we're going to stretch them out this way and then and then challenge yep. them vertically this way and then now this guy has choices to make right here all of that same stuff all of that same stuff happens defensively on a basketball court it's just that it's happening oh, yeah. continuously without the benefit of a whistle stopping the play where you get to reset and say we're going to do this again so true and so on and, any- and that gives just from a media standpoint like Basketball doesn't have that 40 seconds to digest what just happened in a way that gives like these natural breaks to explain. So, yes. Or a week between games. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Whereas like on one that day, digestion is super personality important. standpoint and this, this and here's the quarterbacks. And then by like Thursday, like, all right, well, I guess we really need to dive into the film at this point in basketball. There's always right. another, you know, for sure. So when you're talking about like all of these defensive possessions and like knowing what you want to do and and how you want to leverage the individual skills of your defenders, but also keep it within the structure of the team and that defensive architecture point that you mentioned, Pete, there's so many things to like, OK, well, the offense really wants to stay same side here. 
rather so no actually what we're going to do then is we're going to shade this opposite direction like they want to use use this screen no we're going to push them opposite direction and then that's going to allow our big to play here and then show that help and then that means that our corner man is going to ball denial and now the guy with the ball is in a little box and he's like wait no one's open. The thing that we were trying to do is on that side of the court, but now I'm suddenly facing defense that's all geared up on that side, and I can't see any of those open players, and now I've got to go create a shot out of nowhere. And it's just like, well, that wasn't the point of this play, right? And so when you talk about defending the Warriors, the Lakers are going to try to do the same thing that they did the last game, and they're going to say, A.D., Vanderbilt, LeBron, we want you locked in backside. And whenever you're on Looney or Draymond, we want you off in order to be a disruptor on all of these actions that they're trying to run away from the guy that you're defending. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be an interesting cat and mouse game, Mike, between Darvin Ham and and well, and Steve Kerr tonight, because Kerr's going to try to beat that action. Maybe it's more back cuts. Maybe it's more like actually like, no, they want a top lock. Well, then we're going to run and then we're going to back cut again. And you might see Draymond spraying the ball on back cuts to Clay and Poole and DiVincenzo. And these are the sort of counters that I'm going to be looking for tonight. Got you. So my so Rondo and D'Lo, Russell was 10 years old when Rondo was in his last year at Kentucky, but since he was there, that might have given him, you know, the, the kind of name recognition. And then maybe he watched him more when he was in Boston, for example. It Even that, like they're 11 years apart or at this point, I think 10 years apart. But it's just crazy to think about, well, Rondo was already in the league um, at a certain point when Russell was growing up. But I, mm-hmm. that's something I do want to ask him about. Like, who did he watch when he was a kid? So I'll, I'm going to try well, to do that tonight too, Mike, if I can. Mike, Rondo, I think, would go back to Kentucky and, and do stuff around there. And that was before D'Lo went off to high school where he, he didn't play high school basketball in Kentucky he went to Montverde so anyways yeah yeah, yeah. exactly and in you know in Louisville and Lexington to also two different places so, but but nonetheless I wouldn't be surprised if he's got some real early Rondo so let me let me try to follow up with him about that the only other point I was thinking about tonight's game is that 80 is not going to go five for 19 again like Draymond was mm-hmm. terrific against yeah, him I wanted to get into him but, but yeah you know so that that to me and, and we talked about AD and how he's going to hit the ground running from a defensive standpoint but I also think that he can you know, he can not settle. The first half was somewhat about settling, I thought. And that's part of what Golden State did well with not just Draymond, but with Looney. And like they know how to play against other bigs. Like that is one thing they've had to do a lot. Uh, but I think that there'll be some adjustments there, which we already saw in the second half to get AD moving some. And, you know, with that said, Pete, it's also new personnel and they can't quite play in the same way when you've got Beasley and Russell out there starting. And then LeBron is in the game and yeah. And LeBron to me is a big factor also because he's not like Draymond and Looney can't just keep LeBron out of the paint uh, in the way that maybe they can get AD to, to some too. So I just to throw that in there. That's he's the guy that I think makes the biggest difference for AD because LeBron pr- provides a certain degree of force that when he was out, we actually have D'Angelo Russell in that role as the primary ball handler. And that's not what he does. He's not a forceful player. And so, yeah, you got to come off of your guy to help on LeBron. That's going to free up AD. That's part of why we're so excited and, and are talking about these big win streaks, D, and all of that is is that these are 
things that we've seen happen before. It's just been a long time since we have. Let's hope uh, we can keep it back up tonight. We'll be back tomorrow to discuss how it went. But until then, you've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. That next to the winner. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Let's go. Unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yes. With a little tap to Albert Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.